Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalswick, joined us by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, I have the precious back. It's back from the shop. It's been at the shop for a couple weeks. That's my violin, listeners. My violin is Oh, precious. I did not know this. Uh, so it is back from the shop. And my I've been able to maintain a, a decent humidity in my room, which has been, you know, not the case. Uh, because it is no, now in the, the 40s. The 40s in Chicagoland. What? Mm-hmm. It's going to go back it's to the, the 40s 30s. in Tacoma as well, so. <laughs> but this is all to say that, like, clearly I'm having... I mean, I did. I do need new brakes on my car, which is a fun surprise, uh, Bill. But like, still, I'll still take it because all is right. Because the precious is back, and I'm not going to open any seams because I'm going to keep the air nice and at a comfortable forty percent, which is what the uh, uh, instruments like. Um, so all is well over in the Kalsik bunker. How are things over by you? They're fine. Not really anything to report. Um... I'm just trying not to think about the fact that we're coming up on a year. Um, Like it's real hard not to be thinking about it. Um, Uh But I am and I'm trying not to, but then it's like trying not to think about the pink elephant. Um, And then you think about the pink elephant. So um, yeah, no, things are fine. Things are fine. I'm mostly, yeah, I don't know. I've been just trying to get through this week um, because it's been, it has been a, so I'll just give some context. Listeners, I uh, have two different jobs, and one of them is working over at ScienceAlert.com, which is a great science news website. They're great. I love the people I work with over there when I get to talk to them, because that entire team is based in Australia. But if you haven't been following the news, Facebook and Australia are in a little bit of a war, um, which means that everyone in Australia, particularly this week, has not been able to access the Facebook page for the website. Oh, to like post things and everything. Yeah. So I've been working like all week for a, basically by all week, I mean, literally maybe like an hour and a half across four days of scheduling things for them because they weren't able to do that on Facebook because none of them could access the Facebook page to post things because Facebook was blocking all news organizations, Facebook pages and websites from being accessible in Australia Mm-hmm. because of the weirdness with um, Australia's uh, big publishing and Google and Facebook's regulations that are kind of slowly rolling out and are very much a sign of things to come across the world. So go read up on this um, because this is going to be a thing going forward. Um, but so I've been just, I've been kind of weirdly busy this week. Um, even if it's just been talking to them on Slack, being like, you need to publish this for this time but we're used to thinking Australian time, so do the 18-hour time conversion. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get in the AMPM, or if it's if it's 24 hours, that would be better. You joke, <laughs> but I did actually accidentally schedule something for the PM instead of the AM slot, and was very confused when I woke up the next morning, mm-hmm. and it hadn't published, and went, oh, oh, yeah forgot about that bit um and also listeners if you don't use facebook's creator suite 
um, or whatever it's called. It's awful, and I don't recommend it. It's real bad. It's bad. I don't like it. Anyway, so that's been my week. All of this to say, I am very excited to be on the podcast this week with you to discuss all of the TV, including our special segment slash DVD shelf this week. Yes, this week we're talking about the Bob Newhart show, which is available streaming on Hulu. And we were looking for like, what's some stuff that we feel like catching up with? Like, you know, like last week we did the Rockford Files, we felt like catching up with some older shows. And this is one that like, Bob Newhart, obviously, legend, genius, brilliant, amazing. There are not enough superlatives. Everybody loves Bob, Bob Newhart, to my knowledge. Um, but I had never seen either Newhart or the Bob Newhart show. So I was very excited. I, I still also would very much like to see Newhart, but to, yeah. to, to get yeah. some context here with the Bob Newhart show. Uh, so, so I didn't, unfortunately I didn't get in as many episodes as I thought I was going to be able to, uh, but that just means I will have more to enjoy because it was a delightful show to, to catch up with this week. And I, I look forward to our conversation at the end of the show. I do too. Um, yeah. So we'll discuss that, but first we do also have some news to discuss. Um, yes. The most important news, clearly. Including, like, literally the most important thing to happen this week. Yeah, which, which is... Kate, what is it? Holy moly, has been renewed for two more seasons, guys. Yes! <laughs> um, friend of the show, Latoya Ferguson, was a guest over on Extra Hot Great this week. Um, and go check it out, everyone. They're talking about Superman and Lois and some other stuff. Um, and one of the categories in the trivia game for this week was, was this a hole, the name of a hole on Holy Moly? Nice. And, and of course, Latoya, I believe, has not seen any Holy Moly <laughs> at all. Oh, Latoya. <laughs> so, I, I, I very much believe that. <laughs> and so it was, I was delighted. Some of this, there was also a category, like, were, was this the, the category for a runway on Drag Race as well? So okay. I, was just, I was very much in my element, like, yeah. answering along. But when we got to the Holy Moly one, I was like, yeah, it's a category. Buns and Wieners is a hole. And Glory Hole, no, Hole of Glory, they have not done that yet. How have nope. they not done it? But now they have two more seasons, and so maybe they will. And maybe it'll be more impressive than the Tomb of Nefertiti. Though, again, the long walk to get to that joke was solid. Yeah, I thought it actually ended up, it ended up really working, uh, the Tomb of Nefertiti. Uh, I was really happy with the payoff for that so i i very much enjoyed it uh we're looking for we're going to be watching the next two seasons of holy yes. moly definitely there also was like other news uh like the there was a bunch of stuff with paramount plus which is still cbs all access to me just like it's still the sears tower to me um are they gonna really make us commit to that name yes they are uh so much so that like it drops next week kate like it goes it goes live on the 4th of march so next thursday um and yes, so it's going to be Paramount Plus. Um, and I'll just do a quick rundown of everything that's going to be sort of like the big news anyway. Is Inside Amy Schumer is coming back on it. Okay. Uh, the Rugrats revival is coming back with almost the entire original voice cast. That old Nick tune from the 90s. Um, the season 7 premiere of Younger is going to be on there. Um, which I guess just where else were they were going to put it? Because I guess not TV land anymore. Um, for those who care, the Halo television series is jumping ship from Showtime to go onto Paramount Plus, which I feel like is not a great sign, but who knows? But really, really, Kate, the only thing that matters is that Frasier's coming back after like 16 years off the air. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. I know how I feel about that. Where's Zombie John Mal Maloney? Oh, there isn't one? So no, that, there isn't one. So then this shouldn't be happening, is how I feel about it. That's fair. My, my larger question is, 
great. So how are they going to write out Laura Linney? Because mm-hmm. that was the whole deal with the finale. <laughs> was that he left to go to Chicago um, with Laura Linney. Um, so I, I seriously doubt they're going to get Laura Linney. But who knows? They might. Um, but yeah, so that got announced. Um, so all that stuff happened with Paramount+. Plus. Um, with the Viacom CBS uh, TCA announcement. But baked into that was the announcement of Avatar Studios, mm-hmm. which is exactly what it sounds like, folks. Uh, not the James Cameron Avatar, but the Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra franchise is now basically going to be given the money-making force it really should have been for years now like this should have been a much larger presence on the television landscape than it has been um just nickelodeon viacom just didn't know what to do with it um but now it's going to be its own like studio project within uh viacom within nickelodeon specifically and dimartino and konetsko are coming back to oversee all the various properties including like a movie um, and I think of like one or two new television shows along with we plenty... should specify animated movie. Yeah, animated movie. Um, and I take all of this with a grain of salt because DiMartino and Konetsko, as I note in our rundown notes, leave or get pushed off of more projects <laughs> that are associated with the thing that they created than anyone else I can think of aside from like literal comic book creators who don't get any money for their work. Um, but it's just really bizarre to be like, yeah, we're heading this up. We also left the Netflix live action thing over creative differences. We don't want anything to do with that. This is what counts now. It's just like, oh, this is so sweet. And then in like six months, they're going to be gone. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what happens with it. But I'm certainly much more excited about this than I am about anything that's happening at Netflix. So Mm -hmm. yay. Yay. It was very delightful. I was, I was, I was in the middle of teaching when I got that uh, notification friend of the child and shoemaker, uh, you know, dropped us a, a text about it when the news broke. Um, and I was just like, I can't read about this. I have to teach yeah. and be a responsible <laughs> adult type person, but yay. <laughs> so I'm certainly looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, you know, certainly we have our question marks and our things we love about Cora. So this to me is not necessarily a slam dunk, but I'm certainly very, very curious to see what they're going to do next. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great to see them given a serious budget. Uh, so if they can, uh, you know, if only for the music, guys, if only for the scores that they would do and the animation that they will do if they actually have money. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, we'll keep you all posted when there is more news on that. Mm-hmm. But we have a full week in TV uh, to get to. So we are, we're going to leave our news there. And we're going to listen to the Jam of the Week, 100%, by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez, Agatha All Along. This is potentially spoilery, but only if you know the context. And if you don't know the context, I think it's okay. So we're And it's very catchy. So we're going to use it. Uh, and we're not even going to say the thing that it would be spoilery for, because... If you don't know, then it's not spoilery. So enjoy this this musical ditty. Goodness knows we did. We'll be right back after this.
Again, that was Agatha All Along, performed by someone and written by Kristen Anderson Lopez and, and Bobby Lopez. Because <laughs> uh, if I say who sung it, then that might be a spoiler. So we're going to hold off on that. Um, but this week in TV, we're going to kick things off with the premiere, the 90-minute premiere of Superman and Lois, the, their pilot. Then I'll talk a little bit about Batwoman, Goron Canvas, and Resident Alien Love Language before we chime in with our thoughts on WandaVision, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Then Queen Sugar is here to rip out our hearts and our souls oh, with mid-March 2020. I'm not emotionally prepared. <laughs> Everyone back away from Prosper. Like, I was all worried about I Aunt Bi last week, and then this week I was like, how did I not worry about Prosper? no. Anyways, we'll get there. Uh, I did catch up with Miss Garland and the Duke, which rounded up its first season this week, so I'll talk briefly about that. And then we have the Unicorn with a big move, and we'll we'll finish the week with RuPaul's Drag Race. UK had Snatch Game, and Original Recipe had The Rusicle, so social media, the unverified Rusicle. First up, we have Superman and Lois, which is part of the Arrowverse. They made very abundantly clear in their little, like, 30-minute, you know, a half-hour, like, Let's pad out these two hours because we don't have enough for a two-hour premiere, but we have too much for a one-hour premiere uh, thing. I enjoy that they are, they've are they stopped trying to call it the CW-verse because it's the Euroverse, guys. It's yeah. the Euroverse. Um, and th- this still, though, they're, they're doing the Arrowverse thing, but what I really appreciate is that they are not trying for an Arrowverse tone and they are not trying for an Arrowverse aesthetic. Um from other things I've been seeing, this is actually much more like Everwood, which is, you know, one of Berlanti's earlier ones. But I haven't seen yeah. any Everwood. Um, yeah. So people that I know who have seen them both uh, have been pretty optimistic and excited about that. Noel, I am seeing this is maybe a ish. You're, yeah. you're much more familiar with Everwood than I am. Yeah, no, I think Everwood is a really good comparison. Um, I also think a lot of, like, Zack Snyder's less bombastic tendencies are also like all over this thing um but also um what's his name who directed um superman returns the brandon uh, ruth one um i think it was brian singer i'm pretty sure it was oh oh yeah singer you're right yeah um is also like there's bits of that in here as well but everwood i think is a very safe comparison to this show in any number of ways yeah well it in it's you know it's a little (laughs) <laughs> you feel kind of bad because it's very clear that they want this show to be Lois and Clark, meaning it's about Lois and Clark. It's not about Superman, but that title is already taken. <laughs> it is just a, and it's just a better title than Superman and Lois. It's Superman and Lois is a dumb title, but Superman on its own is not a good title. And Smallville's already taken, you know, like they're kind of hemmed in, but I like that they are very much centering the family dynamic. I'm not all that excited about, um, some of the, the like, I don't really care about the twins. Some of the rewrites for their history uh, are very puzzling to me. And goodness knows, I needed at least an acknowledgement that if they move to Smallville, she has to give up her career. And they didn't say that once. She cannot be a, the world's greatest reporter in Smallville. That will not work. Um, and that is not a good sign. Um, especially with the other rumblings we've heard about issues in the writer's room. Right. And that's what I was going to point out is um, one of the things to keep in mind about watching Superman Lois and uh, the writer who was fired and Drea Tucker worked on Krypton um, and worked on this show for a little while, enough so that she was involved in the pilot. Um, 
well, she didn't write the pilot, but she was involved in that process and was in the room. And then also kept routinely pitching ideas until after, after, after a certain point, I think when they resumed production on the pandemic, um, she was not fought. She was not, her contract wasn't renewed. She was not brought point. back. Yeah. Yeah. She was not brought back. Thank you. Um, largely because she routinely called out issues of sexism and racism within the show from wanting more black people cast in the show to really pushing for a lot of more lowest forward stuff. She's been on Twitter and she's been very explicit the fact about there was a lot of disinterest apparently in doing a lot of lowest centered stuff. It's particularly in a journalism vein um, with the implication being that every, the producers thought it was too boring. Um, and then also she had called out one of the other producers, I think Todd Helbing basically saying, um, yeah, if you want black people on the show, then we're going to have to bust them in because there's not a lot of folks from in Canada, a lot of black folks from Canada to be on the show. Um, so there's a, yeah, listeners, Kate's making I make it a face. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's so, dumb. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff to keep in mind while you're watching Superman and Lois. Um, it's not, it doesn't seem like the best working environment. And it also makes me really nervous about the show, especially in regards to Lois, because I think that this Lois in particular is really, really good. I really like a lot of the conceptualization of it that we got um, back during the multiverse crossover and everything. And so I was really excited about that. And then everything has been like, it's, there's not going to be a lot of that. Um, so that makes me a little nervous about this, um, that, but then there's a number of other like weird things that make me nervous that are totally unrelated to behind the scenes stuff. Um, because I do kind of like this episode, like as a premiere, but I also just have a weird number of questions of when does this take place in the Arrowverse? (laughs) Yeah. Um, because while that is not an issue for our goofballs that travel through time, um, because they can be anywhere and everywhere. I, I, I know that this episode was filmed in the middle of the summer, so there were a number of COVID-related pandemic things, but it's just super fucking weird that Kara's not at that funeral. It's just real weird. Yeah. And it's really noticeable. Um, And it doesn't... It makes me wonder about the timeline for this show, because no one said anything about when this show takes place relative to the other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm really interested in how that shakes out. Um. I'm still interested in some of this, but it just kind of left me a little lukewarm. Um, I get why, like, they aged up the kids so that they would be teenagers, because that's a lot more stuff to do than having babies around. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can do a more Everwood-esque thing. But, yeah, it's just... I'm not sure how I feel about it based on this pilot just yet. Um, Sort of like how you were feeling about Clarice and, like, maybe I need, like, another thing, another dose if I want one. Mm -hmm. I kind of need, like, another episode of this to kind of go, I I, I need to know what this show is, really. Because I have a pretty good idea, but there's just a lot of stuff happening here. Which, it's a pilot. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm And I have, like, a weird number of questions about... I'm assuming that our big bad is a luther adjacent person from mm-hmm. another earth that got destroyed in the multiverse collapse um because it, nothing else really makes sense to me um but well you know what else doesn't make sense to me um busy Tullock, uh who is fabulous i really like her lois is 40 mm-hmm. and tyler hecklin is 33 and they're supposed to have 14 year old kids 
don't think about it. I At mean, least she's older than him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he, he's younger than me. And he's two years younger than me. And uh, I don't for a moment believe he started having kids when he was... What is that? Like, mine is 14, 19? <laughs> yeah, 19. Uh, and, and granted, he's Superman. Well, they make they, a line. They do make a joke about that. Of about like, how, like, he doesn't age and, yeah. like, yeah, of course. Fair enough. I'll give them that. But also, she started having kids at 26-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're certainly not going to be aging them up past yeah. 40. Like, that's not how the CW rolls. So the fact that the, act, the, the kids playing the actors playing their kids don't look like freshmen either at all yeah. <laughs> remotely as someone who works with children every day. Like I know what freshmen look like and these are college freshmen. Not- well, and that's, that was one of the things I was having issues with, particularly with Jonathan. Like I had a lot of issues with how they were styling him and his clothes. Mm-hmm. And it took me a, like talking about it with my partner and she just went oh you know what he's dressed like he's supposed to be some sort of punk in a british show and that's exactly how he's dressed the entire time is some sort of like posh punk on a brick on a british on a british drama or something um and because he's got the gold chain and like the windbreaker type stuff and it's just like yeah that is who he that's how they're styling him and it doesn't work it makes him look weird and much older than he should be yeah uh, yeah yeah and i mean i don't know how old the the actors playing the kids actually yeah, are I don't but either. but i again i i know what freshmen look like and i know what eighth graders look like and they are not freshmen they're not going to be freshmen um so yeah when you add in the fact that the the parents are too young and the kids are too old it's like it's like ultimate cw-itis um, so that's a completely separate thing. I do like a little bit of what we're getting with the family dynamic. I like a little bit of what we're getting with the siblings and the energy that they have so far. Like it's basically this pilot is better than I was expecting. I went in with um low to like just blank slate expectations and ended up being pleasantly surprised with some of it. Uh I don't know how you build from some of the stuff they have set up. Yeah. Uh, I like that they are, there was clearly a focus on, no, we're going to, like, here's what the storyline for Lois will be, you know, investigating this thing with the banks and with the corporation. Morgan, yeah. Yeah. Morgan All this, like, there's clearly stuff there, but, like, the blind spots that this ha- episode has around some of the, uh, like, ab- about her job, about the fact that they're going to go from having a two-income household where they're both... Uh, very they're both well respected reporters and she's one of the most respected reporters in the in the the world to starting restarting a farm that he and he hasn't farmed since he was in high school and she doesn't know anything about running a farm and he just got laid off and he just got laid off and they have some savings but they're not gonna have enough to like buy back all the stuff to like yeah the fact that there's no discussion about that is problem is like a problem to me. Yeah. I really liked though some of the other things that they this does. I like that they don't like sit the kids down and say we're moving, but they say just so you know we're thinking about doing this. We're going to talk about it at dinner, but we wanted to give you some time to to like 
process and think and decide. But also we're moving because that's the whole premise but of the show. But that's the premise so. of the show, so, yeah. <laughs> um, I liked that we, we, we've got the love interest and then, the, then we find out, hey, why are you kissing my girlfriend? Oh, she has a boyfriend already. Oops. I thought that was like, yeah, just because someone is, is, you know, friendly with you does not mean that they don't have a boyfriend. Um, I liked that. I thought that played pretty well and worked better than, you know, maybe I would have expected. That um, was very Everwood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that seems about right. Yeah. Um, and then um, the other thing that I'm, I, I like some of the stuff that they're setting up with uh, Lois's dad uh they recast dylan walsh walsh is very good of course i, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it was glenn Morsh uh Morshower, right uh you played him before i could have that wrong i forget who played general lane last time yeah that's that's a recasting and i like the previous actor i also like this actor we'll see but i like that he knows the identity i like that we're not wasting time with the identity stuff um i did not like uh our the 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 setup of the um Lana Lang and her her husband Kyle, the firefighter, kind of like not a fan of that. And I think the last thing we got to talk about a bit is what did you think of the kids? Don't know. I just just assumed the kids were pissed off because obviously their dad is Superman and he's been lying. They've been lying to them about it. And then they just like, no, you can't be Superman. I've seen him. I've seen what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it was really amusing because like he I was waiting for him to take off his glasses and um the son to have a reaction to that because maybe Clark just never takes off his glasses at the house or maybe the glasses <laughs> have a disruptor thing on them right but like I like for me it's they make too big a deal out of the glass like and they made too yeah. big a deal out of like I've seen what he looks like kind of a thing. Because uh-huh. they look the same. Like, it's yeah. it's a lot easier to buy, oh, I could never think of my dad in that context. Yeah. It makes complete sense. But, like, the, like, I'll just take off these glasses and then lift up a car. Like, I thought that that part worked if they hadn't done the, no, yeah. I know what Superman looks like and you don't look like Superman. Yeah, no, there's also, for me, also, and I imagine that this is something that they're going to play out a little bit more. It made me just a, because what was the other kid's name? It starts with a J It's as well. Jordan and Jonathan. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Jonathan, because Jonathan Kent. Um, so, Jordan, thank you. Um, that, with Jordan, I imagine that they're going to play out a bit more of the fact that Clark has been distant from him, but now that Jordan's exhibiting powers, Clark is suddenly, like, interested in his son. Yeah. Um, but only interested in his son because his son could potentially kill people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By accident. Lots of, there'll be lots of, uh, uh, yeah, there'll be lots of angst about, about yeah. that, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So I imagine that's where we're going with this. Um, but yeah, I'm still going to keep watching because I'm interested in a couple more episodes of this, but we'll see is kind of where I'm landing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing uh, I have to mention is how delightful the thought the opening, the montage was at the beginning and like the mm-hmm. action comics number one cover thing that they did. It's very good. Yeah. And as someone who has said, thanks, my mom made it for me. 
many, many times. Mm-hmm. When when the kid compliments his suit and that's his response, like, oh, that coat is awesome. Thanks. My mom made it for like I like my for my red trench or you know very cos cosplay things at Comic Con or you know I'm very fortunate to to have a mom who is a fantastic uh, seamstress. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I just I was like, yep, that's so perfectly Midwest and also like. <laughs> I have said that. <laughs> I'm such a dork. Uh, I, I I thought it was just such a really great capture encapsulation of like the Superman kind of. I, I I just really like this version of Superman, and I really like this version of of Lois. It's a very good version of Superman. That I that I very much agree with. I really do like how they're conceptualizing, and I really like um, Tyler Hoechlin's performance of Superman and Clark too, because that's the other thing I really like is that I really like his performance of Clark. And I like that detail about dad can't even put the Christmas star, put the star on the top of the tree without falling off the ladder mm-hmm. was a very good touch that he's been, he's just all the layers of lies to his sons. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And all coming home to roost. Um, Next up, we have Batwoman, Goron Canvas. And I just wanted to mention this briefly because they introduced uh, Wolf Spider uh, in a really fun way. And I really liked it. That's a good pull. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see what happens with it. Um, There's some other developments as well that I am more skeptical about. But, uh, you know, I'm going to wait till you have a chance to to catch up with it. Um, And just say that that there was some neat, there was some neat stuff in here and some very explicit nods and references to Jack Napier and the Joker and um, not as a character on the show, but just as in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, there's some other interesting stuff, but I, I am not familiar with Wolf Spider, uh, but I thought that what they did was pretty fun. So uh, yeah. is he an art thief in this or he does some graffiti and stuff. Like there's some, like he's like a millennial Banksy kind of, protest okay. sort of okay. stuff so still kind of steeped in that yeah no he's like a high-end art thief in the comics um and i think he was he was some degree of involved with kate kane in the comics like not romantically um mm-hmm. but i forget exactly their nature of their relationship but he's he's kind one of the few like really established batwoman villains um so that's cool i didn't realize they were bringing in wolf spider i like that character so I look forward to your thoughts. Um, Resident Alien had love language. And the only thing I'm going to say about this is I'm really tired of shows thinking it is interesting or funny or uh, like a valid and reasonable storyline to have uh, somebody body swap for whatever reason. In this case, right, the alien mm-hmm. has killed the other person, assumed his identity. And then somebody shows up who thinks that they are the other person. And they end up having sex and we're supposed to think that's okay. Uh, yeah. And not that is rape because that is rape. And yeah, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not okay. And shows need to stop fucking doing that. Like uh, here it's like, Oh, it's consensual. Yeah. She's consensually having sex with who she believes to be her husband or mm-hmm. ex-husband. And he is having sex with someone like it is not the same thing it is not interesting it's like same thing with wonder woman the wonder woman movie right yeah this is not okay and don't pretend that it doesn't exist just because you want to have a reason to have somebody have a sex scene right so it's just yeah it's very frustrating so i again i will look forward to your thoughts when you're when you're caught up there are other parts of the episode that i thought i really liked and there's some other storylines that they're doing that i that i appreciate but it's just it's how is this still a 
a well that these shows and movies and genre things go to without engaging with it. Like, just Jessica Jones is the only one engaging with this shit. And it's, I'm, ah, it's frustrating. Uh, next up, we have WandaVision and Breaking the Fourth Wall. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna go full in our conversation, full on in our conversation here. So if you are behind on WandaVision, skip forward. We'll check the show notes for the timestamp and you should now be done doing that and have skipped ahead because it was Agatha all along. I killed Sparky. <laughs> Best theme song. Love that they went monsters. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, we all knew, but it didn't matter because the if you're going to pull off a reveal that everybody's already figured out, pull it off with this much panache. Yeah, basically. Very similar to the fact that everyone was like, no, that's that's Monica Rambo with um uh Tana Paris. Paris. Yeah. Paris. Um it was very much she's not not Agatha Harkness. I mean, we kind of told you with Agnes, but um yeah, mm-hmm. so like it's very one of the things I have liked about WandaVision is that they haven't hid the fact that they're doing like two big kind of characters within the MCU. And by not hiding those things, really, has allowed them to pull off Evan Peters and has allowed them to pull off whatever weird big cameo they still have waiting for us that uh, Paul Bettany has been teasing for the, like the past two weeks. Um, so I'm, I really appreciate that of that kind of marketing of like, yeah, no, it's them, but you know, just pretend it's not for a little while and then you get a really kick-ass theme song out of it and a little montage to be like yeah no it was you were right all along (laughs) well and i like Uh, that they answered my question about the car right very very elegantly very simple well you know well done little answer there and like yeah yeah so i think that this is actually a fairly good sort of answer episode in that regard um while still really establishing like a number number of other like potential questions that they can then answer over the next two episodes as we hit big climax territory type of deal. Um, but yeah, it's also like you hired Catherine Hahn. You did not hire Catherine Hahn just to pretend to be the nosy neighbor and not give her a lot of delicious stuff to do at the end of the show. Like you don't you don't hire Catherine Hahn for that. And Catherine Hahn doesn't say yes to this job if there's not something. <laughs> Um, so this episode, I think, is fine overall. Like, Catherine Hahn kills it with ep- towards the end because it's great and she's Catherine Hahn. But as you said, when I kind of texted you about it on Friday, when I was like, I have to stay off Twitter because I'm seeing a bunch of vague stuff. And you're just like, yes, this episode is not particularly, like, good. It's, like, their weakest sitcom thing. And I agree with you. Like, the Modern Family stuff, I think, is fine, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um in the same way that everything else goes somewhere. Um, because where it needs to get to has nothing to do with modern family. <laughs> um, or how we relate to modern family, really. And, well, and so, then the theme song is The Office, which is weird. Yes, which is also really weird. Yeah, no, I picked up on that too. Um, because, yeah, no, it wants to be The Office, but The Office isn't a family sitcom. So it's really weird, um, but also it really kind of broke my heart when it was just Wanda, the entire theme song, and then Vision, like, right at the end, and I just went... <laughs> anyway, so I do think that this episode is okay. Um, I What I do think is really great, though, is 
all the Darcy and Vision stuff just slaps. It's so hard. good. Very good. It's we got really, the clown really car good. that you asked for. Yes. Uh, also, I really liked what we got. Our, our like our origin story for Photon or Spectrum, whichever they, way they go. Yeah. That works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, excited for that. And uh, yeah, I, it is, it's very much a, and now there are two episodes left. So like, can we yes. get to those, please? <laughs> yeah, I fully agree. Um, but, oh man, Song of the Winter. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this will be popping up again at the end of the year. Like like this will be popping up when we're like remembering the musical moments of 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 this year, twenty twenty one. It yeah, Agatha all along definitely. Um, well, our next episode is Queen Sugar. Now for something completely different. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay, let's just revel in the Hollywood and vibe at all because oh, so this funny. episode sets up so many things that are gonna just be hard um but it also as queen sugar always does it also makes time for beauty and for love and for uh all like the full range of experiences and emotions uh what i mean like what a lovely way for us to get to see a a glimpse into their first date yeah right it's really really sweet and it's like the perfect way of doing that because otherwise you kind of have to like do a weird flashback maybe there's a really bad wig for mm-hmm. Hollywood, because um, Vi doesn't have any bad wigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's just a doing it this way, I thought was just really beautiful and really sweet. Um, and I really, really, really liked it. Um, and it made me very happy. The rest of the episode did not make me very happy. It made me very stressed out, and I don't like it. I kept not texting Kate that I'm not emotionally prepared for anything <laughs> the show is going to start doing next week, because I'm not. I'm not emotionally prepared no. for any of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm just not. Um, and the we can dig into some of that a little bit more, but I, the one the only tangentially related thing to all of this that I have to say is that if you're going to not have Parker be present in the season, this is a great way to get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Parker just pe- being like, like following what's going on, just being like, nope, uh, we're... <laughs> I'm getting out while the kitten is good, but then going to New York, you're like, oh, it's not going to be better there. It's not going to be better there, Parker. In fact, it's not going to be good anywhere. Yeah. That was a mistake. Now, Um, how did they capture that for you? Did it, did it feel like it was like accurate to how you felt at that time? Um, no. Um, in part because I was just reading more about it than anyone on like any of the characters were. So I was a little more aware of it prior to March or even February. Like I was aware of this happening in like December. Um, so I was following some of it, um, in December, but from an informational standpoint, it didn't really quite capture that. Um, but from an emotional affectation of hindsight, it hits really hard. Um, so like the ending shot of putting up the back April 1st. It's just like, no, <laughs> yeah. you're not. You're uh, not back uh, April 1st. 20, 2021? <laughs> yeah, you're not back April 1st. Um, But it was also sort of like what I talked about a little bit last week when we were watching Buy and Hollywood Make Those Pies of watching that birthday party and just going, all those people are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just dealing with those kinds of feelings, um, but also dealing with the setup of what you had alluded to last week of basically every character getting little chamber dramas with a loved one that they're quarantined with and how do you sustain that for a whole season? Um, 
and watching those things kind of click into place in this episode, really in particular, um, was really compelling and really interesting to watch. And I'm really curious to see, especially based on the preview that we get at the end of this episode, how all of that's going to start spreading out. Um, but also, you leave Prosper alone, show. I don't <laughs> care what you do to anyone else, save Vi in Hollywood, but you leave Prosper alone. <laughs> leave him alone. You yeah. let that man not get COVID. You don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, well, like... You can't really draw a bigger targets than they drew, so... Uh, it's such a big target! It's such a big target. Oh, He's the only one paying attention. To the point where, like, when, when Hollywood's mom shows up in, like, the... Uh, like The, the preview. Week, the preview shows up, yeah. It's, like, almost like, oh, thank goodness they can kill her off as the person who does from COVID. <laughs> oh, no. But Elsa Caldwell, she's so amazing. <laughs> Normally, I would not ever wish that on her character. But they can't hurt Prosper. They can't hurt Vi. So uh, they're going to need to have someone. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, how did the how did this hit you then? In terms of like, uh, were you kind of feeling the same way around this yeah. time? Yeah. Well, for me, it was you know, yeah, I was following this more than this stuff more than these characters are, mm-hmm. um, and if only because, uh, well, like like my. My dad is a research chemist and mm-hmm. my mom has was a chem major. And so like we're big on like reading sciencey things mm-hmm. <laughs> and and sharing them between like all, everybody in the family on the text chain and stuff. So like um, and just like trying to understand and make sense of things that are happening if there are scientific like reading research papers and that kind of stuff. Like so like pretty early on not as early as you but like one of my students their dad flew in from china in early january and there was talk like they were getting like harassed a little bit the student was from some of the teachers or admin and and students about like she shouldn't go into school because her dad just came in from china and he did not come in from Wuhan. He came in from a completely different part of a massively large country where yeah. the, the that had not spread. It was like it was racism. Um, but that, you know, I, I remember that happening very distinctly in, in like early first couple weeks of January. And so it was on my radar in a big way already then. And mm-hmm. then certainly uh, by mid-March, like. By mid-March, we were looking around going like, okay, we voted in the primary early, uh, and now we are not leaving our house. And about a week or a week and a half later, we started doing streaming in place. So <laughs> listeners will know <laughs> when, you know, when when this all, you know, like go to our first episode of streaming in place and then go back a couple weeks and we were already sheltering in place. So, yeah, yeah. I think that th- they showed a good range of awareness and reactions to it i thought like the disbelief or like this is short term that felt very real um micah's school just being like eh. it's fine it'll be fine uh yeah. was also very real i loved uh nova just smacking calvin being like no he does not know things we don't know because he doesn't go to his briefings he should know things we don't know, but he doesn't. Yeah. I also don't feel like Trump was saying that stuff in March. He was saying it in April. Yeah. Um, but I also can't remember quite when he started talking about that stuff, but I feel like he wasn't really saying it until April. Um, yeah. 
But that also feels like an unforced error, and this is not a show that does those. Right. So I'm almost positive it's like around March, because I mean, like, Kudlow was basically saying that everything was locked down by like this time last year. So maybe he uh-huh. was saying it by mid-March. I just don't remember because time has no meaning. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also like, um, yeah, the, the, some of the things that we're going to, I'm sure start getting fed in to the show, right. With the timeline, it's not a coincidence that the episode titles are yeah. late February, early or mid-March. Right. Um, that's what I'm sure I assume that's going to keep happening. Um, this, these are, you know, these are the kind of writers and showrunners and uh, creatives who will be precise with that stuff. So yeah, well, three writers and three directors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, but yeah, but but also, I think they they so they, I agree, they're kind of pushing that a little forward, right? Because narratively it suits. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, well, he technically said it once at this point. Yeah. He just would say it a lot more in April, you know, that kind of a thing. So we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, I like some of the threads they're setting up. I just want to be like, oh, Charlie, don't worry about that frat because <laughs> Micah's going to be back <laughs> staying at the house very shortly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hopefully. Which is going to be a whole other miserable can of worms for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be tough. Well, and I think that, you know, they, the way that like, just watching this episode was like, yeah, they had to redo the whole season, right? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. There's no way that they could do the season that they had planned before, right? Um, they'll be able to pick up all that stuff after and have it be influenced by this. But mm-hmm. um, with Charlie being in politics, with uh, by a, a small business owner, with um, Hollywood opening up a new, you know, you know, restaurant, like a, cafe, rest, cafe, they, like eating house. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's too many, I mean, with, with Nova and Calvin, I mean, like there's too many things that they can't not address. So, right. You know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what comes next. I look forward to blue getting really good at chess. That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, but blue is also really a really solid, like uh through line because God, Darla was killing me this week. Just mm-hmm. killing me. I just could not deal with any of that. I'm just going, you're not getting that job, but it's not your fault. It's yeah. just the universe conspiring against you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, any final thoughts on Queen Sugar? No. And listeners, if I'm not able to talk about the show, like, starting next week, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's too real, like, you know, feel free to tap out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, not too real is Miss <laughs> Scarlet and the Duke, which finished its first season. Uh, and I did watch the rest of it. I kind of binged it. It was much more palatable in that form. I will say mm-hmm. that uh, it's, I still think it's not what I want it to be. It's not like my hopes for it. It does not quite meet. But I ended up being more charmed by it and certainly much more charmed in a marathon binge context than a weekly, like, break it down, think about it, watch the next... No. I don't, I don't think there's enough there there for that. But if you want to just like kind of catch up with it on demand or something like that, I think, you know, if this is, if, if Lady Detective uh, and Scotland Yard and all of that is of interest to you, I think that, the, you know, it ended up being a lot more fun than I thought it would be from the first episode. Um, there's some, some nice dynamics. They still don't quite have the chemistry I want them to have, but I think it's good enough that I, I ended up enjoying my time with it and uh, can can put it, you know, give it a more hearty recommendation 
Um, certainly than I did at first. So that's why I wanted to circle back around to it and be like, yeah, I, it, it was fun. They did, they did a few things that I liked. There's a few like twists and things that, that really work. So, um, not twists for the sake of twists, but twists for just like, oh, you went a little more interesting with this. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so that's Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Um, the unicorn had a big move and it's not the big move that we anticipate early in the episode. And that is lovely. What did you think of this episode? And uh, what the season looks like moving forward. So I'm still like, I'm on a whole, I'm really feeling like I'm wondering why I like the unicorn as much as I did last year. Um, even though I still think it's good. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is carried by the chemistry of the cast. Um, but this episode is, I think, pretty solid. Um, and I think it is a good sort of, way of dialing back natalie z because i feel like that's what's about to happen um and the ways in which that happens really gets really beautifully summed up in that scene where goggins goes to ask um uh where um shannon oh shannon and wade where wade goes to ask shannon to move in with him and he's just there and it hits him that it's just like she needs to move to Asheville. um and Goggins is great in that scene. Like it's it's easily the best he's been on the unicorn. Um, but it's also easily like the best he it's very much in his like wheelhouse of hitting that kind of a scene, I feel like. And he just knocks it out of the park because he's doing so much good reacting to Z's patter about, well, do you I mean, do you know how like my power bills just got so high now that it's just me? Um, this house is ginormous, but also he's moving and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I like watching all of that play out. Um, and I know that's not in that scene, but it's like all compiling. You can see him doing the calculus in his head. And I like that Goggins allows you to see that and experience that moment with Wade, as opposed to not being able to do it and just go, yeah, no, I just, it's the best thing for you to do. Um, so he's just so good in that scene and it makes the rest of the episode, I think really work because I do agree with you that, slacker dad's decision <laughs> to just pick up and leave his family after move away for hours is made immediately. Yeah. Um, and it's not great. And he doesn't do it in consultation with anyone else. Well, but, but no, he does. He does it with her. Okay. Right? So they, Cause she's in that scene too. Shannon's there too. And they, Oh yeah, she is. Yeah. That's right. They make that decision together. Yeah. And so, so listeners, some context in our notes, I have, uh, I have the, the eyeball, uh, 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 glancing aside kind of <clears throat> skeptical emoji because this is a, a plot development where a character goes from living in the same house with their son to moving four hours away from their son. And they make that decision in the course of a phone call. And both he makes that choice, but but in consultation with the ex-wife, who he's also been been living with. So like that that is something that should have been thought of. That should have been like it does not. It, I was like, okay, well that doesn't make any sense. You don't go from it's not like even just moving uh to a different town over like far enough that you're gonna have to um get your own place, but not like a day's driving is a big decision 
moving four hours. I mean, like I went to U of I, that was a two and a half to three, three and a half hour drive from where, you know, I grew up depending on weather and traffic and such. And that was like a great distance because you could go home if you needed to, you had enough space, you know, that, that, that was my thing with my first two years. I was like two, I was a hundred miles away basically from my house. So it was like manageable, but no one wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I'm very, I'm very comfortable and familiar with the difference between like a two hour drive, a three hour drive and a four hour drive. And a four hour drive is a significant thing. And for, for them to be like, yeah, but you really like, it's not like he loses his job. It's not like this is the only job. It's, it's out of a place of fulfillment and for bettering yeah. his career. And that's important, but that's also like, not a decision you make instantly. That's something you think about and you consider for several days. And they didn't want to take the time for that in the episode. And when you get to the ending and you realize the reason they didn't is because they needed to get you to the scene with Goggins and and with Wade, you know, understanding what what the right thing is for them. Um, And her also, Shannon knowing too, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, is is a terrific scene. It makes the whole episode. If you didn't have that scene, the whole rest of the episode, I just, I, <laughs> it's not enough that I would break it up with the show, but it, yeah, big old side eye. Um, I like that they're ge- finally giving Goggins some material to play and Z as well. Uh, I like that this will be a new wrinkle. I also like that they both acknowledge, no, I was going to ask you to move in. And I, I, she, you know, I would have said yes. And it probably would have been bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. It yeah. would have been bad. Um, so maybe yeah, because I, they hinted like the ways in which it would have been bad for Wade and her girls, his girls. And plus the escape room stuff and all of that. It's just like, there's still some stuff to unpack and moving in would not have helped you unpack that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, it also just like the notion of taking the job, moving away without a sense of, will I be able to afford this house mm-hmm. without that income? Like all that, like, Yeah. Yeah, it it was a lot. Um, so I already have question marks about her. Just them assuming that she's going to be able to just find a job yeah. in Nashville, but she's got family well, there, so you know that. Makes and sense. there's no pandemic in the universe. That's true. That's true. The so pandemic. it's fine. Um, yeah. So she'll be fine. But yeah, but that was a that was a very good that was a very good scene. There was some interesting stuff, and I do look forward to you know since it's been so Shannon centric like this season, I look forward to what they're going to do next with it. Yeah. One thing that I will say about this episode that I felt real hard, like super hard was I think that's a retirement community. So hard, (laughs) so hard folks. Like if you have not searched for apartments um, anywhere recently, you will immediately find a great place that is actually a senior living community. And you will be so upset. <laughs> because it happens yeah. every time you do a search for apartments. You can't filter those out. Yep. And you're just like, man, this place looks great. Oh. Oh. It, it's it's for active seniors. How old do you have to be again for that? <laughs> I, yeah. I I mean I go to bed at like eight. Like I, that counts, I'm, I'm, right? That counts. That counts for something. I don't have loud parties. Mm. Let me live here, please. <laughs> the rent's so affordable, and you have so many amenities. 
Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I felt that. I was just like, that's such a good joke because it's yeah. so real. <laughs> yeah. Um, next we have Drag Race UK and they did Snatch Game. And I'm going to keep this very brief and just say that uh, it was a very underwhelming Snatch Game after a fantastic season one Snatch Game, like up there with the best Snatch Games in any of the, the iterations of Drag Race. There was like one or two people who did well um, this episode. And uh, a lot of mediocre to poor, and which is disappointing, especially because the, the two funniest queens were on the bottom uh, and deservedly so. So it was, uh, yeah. Oh, I have higher hopes, even if I shouldn't, for the, the season 13 Snatch Game, which is coming up before too long. So, yeah, I was I was I was disappointed after we had such a strong Snatch Game in season one. Um for Drag Race season 13, we had the Rusical, social media, the unverified Rusical. And finally, some justice for Rose and Denali. Uh, what did you think? And what did you think of our double Shantae eye roll? Um, so we'll get, we'll get to that last bit. Um, but yes, I think that the, I really appreciated the justice for Denali and for Rose in this. Um, I also really appreciated that they did like a little mini rehearsal or mm-hmm. a um like audition. a tr- audition because it's weird to me it had been weird to me that no one had like suggested doing one of those or if they had we just it got edited out somewhere um because it feels like the best way to handle these sorts of situations and no one ever does them um so I really liked that but it was also like oh Denali Rosé just did a really good cold read. Like, that's just a good cold singing of that, but also it just says that Rosé sings Doreen on my parade at karaoke every time they go to karaoke. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I thought Denali did a good job. Um, I thought just, that they did an okay job. They just but didn't wasn't... do a better job than Rosé. Yeah. Um, and also, Rosé got a backing track, and 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 Denali did not. And Denali mm. got, like, cricket back backing track, which, yeah. like... Come on. <laughs> she did, It was one of those auditions where you're like, okay, so Rosé won. Yes. But also, like, you are a better singer than Russian bot number two. And unfortunately, you did not speak up sooner. So that's all that's left. Yeah. But also, between, between Denali and Got Mick, they stole the show. Is mm-hmm. the thing. Like, I mean, Rosé's very good across the board, I think. Um, but because they get to be the ones that close out the show as the Russian bots, they kind of, they're your lasting impact really. And it's so good. They come in with such ridiculous amounts of energy. Um, and I just really, I was immediately excited as soon as they showed up because I was getting very bored with the social media musical. Cause it wasn't um, very good. It was because it wasn't very well good. Written. Um, yeah, no, I got over it pretty quickly um, because I didn't like a lot of the costumes that or looks that the queens had developed for them. Um, I thought Simone's Instagram one was just real flat. Um, I was confused by Utica's complete lack of blue for <laughs> Twitter. Like, there's blue, but it's mostly white. And I'm well, just like... that's because she was the modern major general, so she had the, the sailor suit and everything. But yes, there should have been more but, blue. There should have been, like, a more sky blue. And yes, no, I know that we're doing Gilbert and Sullivan, but at the same time... Make it a light blue with white piping. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where 
I think all of the queens did a really not great job of representing their social media in in their drag. Um, I think Elliot with two T's did a fair job with theirs, but I immediately forgot about it <laughs> until I looked at a picture of it to prep for this. Um, and I, I don't know what Candy was doing. And I guess... Candy was linked in and... No, no, it was... Candy was linked in. I don't know what Candy was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I thought it was a fun, like, that's, like, the the idea that LinkedIn is actually secretly, like, the super horny slutty one is delightful, and I love it, <laughs> um, but the performance needed to be better. Yeah. Um, so, unless, do you, what did you think about the, um, the musical, aside from it wasn't good? Um, I thought that, yeah, because I thought that most of the queens did a good job with what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the clear bottom two was Simone and Candy for me. Um, Tina, I can see what they were saying, but I think that they just needed a third person. And so they mm-hmm. decided to do Tina yeah. um, just to change up who was going to also be in the bottom. But uh, I thought that I thought that, that she did just fine throughout yeah. it. And she had a lot more material, and especially like guys, they had two days to learn this. And that's part of why Rosé, I thought, very deservedly earned that win, even though the the shot in the arm of like these last two queens coming out as the bots. And and this is the number where all of the queens then come together and sing it together, like before the big, you know, um, Les Mis number, right? Like that is the one that really amps everything up and you can, you're having fun again. But Rose absolutely nailed everything that she had throughout. She had a lot more material than they did. And uh, she was very in everything like when you saw her next to olivia olivia did a good job she sounded really great and she was fun and and really did what they asked of her very well but compared to rose rose when she had scenes with rose rose was just keeping your eyes right so i thought that uh rose took material and made it better and olivia and some of the other queens executed at the level of the material. Right. Utica did better than anticipated. Um, <laughs> but the reason she did better than anticipated is that they got rid of all that choreography. So she just d- didn't have to do it. <laughs> it was so weird that you're going to do Gilbert and Sullivan and give Utica a ton of choreography because that's not how Gilbert and Sullivan works. Like yeah. that's just, that's not, that's not how that works. You don't make someone doing modern major general choreography. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how it works. Well, and Denali, it's a good thing that, you didn't get saddled with that role because that yeah. role wasn't going to win anything. No, that's, it wasn't. that's the Bendela creme doing, um, uh, uh, Julie Andrews, you know, wrapping Julie Andrews situation where it's like, you should absolutely be in the top, but this is not the role that comes in and steals the show at the end. And that's always who wins, which is why Mick looked at this and was like, Russian bot. <laughs> yes. Mick's really savvy in her gameplay. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's been very solid, savvy gameplay. Um, and I'm really curious to see how that's going to continue for them uh, going forward. Because eventually gameplay is not enough, but they're playing a really good game so far. Yeah, well, it's, and the fashion's been... And the fashion's and, been And really the makeup, good. too. Yeah. Top tier. But the other stuff, like, they've been very smart. Like, yeah. When, when they're, like, picking roles and stuff in the workroom he's been really smart about which ones he goes for and mm-hmm. like w- and like being like i'll be the straight man in the uh in the 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 as what's her face the um in the all pink yeah, yeah like like absolutely nailed that and exactly the right 
character so a lot of savvy savvy choices absolutely agree it's weird seeing good gameplay on drag race like i don't Mm -hmm. feel like we see a lot of gameplay type of deal on drag race um so i really like that so um yeah let's talk about the um let's talk about the lip sync um it's some bullshit um <laughs> i would have and... given it to simone it was not a double win i know some people think candy did better they liked candy better i like simone better but it was not simone, a double chante it was not a double chante and also i think candy's performance in the uh rusical should also have been much more factored into that decision because it was bad yeah. um so I, that I is don't... not a universally uh, agreed upon by the way decision amongst or opinion amongst the drag race fandom uh, like there, I saw there's been plenty of people who think that um, she should have been safe and that Elliot should have been in the bottom kind of thing. And I'm like, Elliot was doing like Gen Z, Billie Eilish kind of thing. And granted, Elliot is not anywhere near as good a singer as Billie Eilish, but the, but like they did a good job of what they were asked to do. Mm-hmm. And Candy did not. So, yeah. Um, and it just reminds me that I need to stop treating the show like a competition program and just treat it like a scripted. Mm hmm semi-fictional show because it helps me make sense of what's happening so i need to stop yeah well they're like we can't lose tamisha and then lala re and then candy there will be no one left in the workroom who's talking <laughs> so yeah and that is a fair point so um yeah um so it just kind of infuriated me and i wasn't particularly pleased with it um and it just i i was very annoyed um not as annoyed as going I mean, yeah, it's kind of orangey, but it looks yellow enough. I don't know why that we're having this conversation. That was not an orange outfit. That was a yeah. yellow outfit. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I'm pretty sure it's yellow. It's not as yellow, but it's barely a shade or two off from Tina's yellow. Yeah. And I mean, putting it next to the red hair and the green face and with some of the lights and stuff, I can see that. But still, I mean, I'm, I don't doubt it looked orange, especially because I think was Rosé standing next to, like, a neon yellow look on one side? Like, it could have yeah, been... Yeah, so Rosé was standing next to um, Denali in the snakeskin thing, which looked really good. Um, the headpiece in particular looked great. Um, but then there was that gap, and then they were standing next to Candy, who's just, like, in, you know, full Beyoncé. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's... It was going to look orange, but it was still yellow. It was as yellow as Tina's taxi, which was also not super yellow than if the mask homage was not yellow. Yeah. Um, But it was, yeah. But Tina's yellow was taxi cab yellow. Yeah. And also Rosé's yellow was a a warmer yellow, but still definitely yellow. It was still definitely yellow. But Um, Rosé handled that absolutely right. I'm sorry. Like, that's yeah. the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the correct way to do that. But it it, it was yellow, Michelle. Um, <laughs> it was yellow. It's yellow. Uh, any final thoughts on the Rusical? Um, I mean, I think season 12 still has it with the Madonna Rusical. It's definitely a much better Rusical. And they yeah, kind of no. crushed it. Yeah, no, that was a much better uh, Rusical than this was. Um, yeah, no, I don't really have anything else on this. Um, can you tease next week? This week, I should yeah, say? Yeah, well, I can briefly. I'll just say, because they're doing a special, like a one-hour special right. about... The COVID prep. The yeah, COVID. about how they, like, what it was like filming and prepping for this season of Drag Race during a pandemic. And um, I haven't had a chance to, to, to watch the screener 
completely mm-hmm. yet. But um, I will say that it is only an hour long, and mm-hmm. it feels like they're stretching a bit to get to, the, to get there. And I'm very curious why this is a thing that's happening. Right? They did one of these for Drag Race UK, but that makes more sense to me because they had filmed half of the season, and then they broke for seven months, and then they came back for Drag Race UK. So you can follow have the queens film themselves and follow what they are doing like throughout that set like it's a different thing you know versus setting up the whole the whole show um and uh, you know so i i don't want to say too much i just i was hoping for more of interest in it than than we're necessarily getting i'm glad it's only an hour and not longer but this feels very much like a we're gonna try to stretch out the length of the season hoping that we can do a live finale (laughs) An in-person oh, finale by the time we babies. get to no. April, you know, because because right now, if it's a similar length of season as we've had in previous shows, we're on like what episode eight, then yeah, nine, 10, 11, 12, like it would be like the beginning of April would be when the finale would be. Um, so maybe that's what I don't I don't have any information on that. That is not any sort of scoop. Nobody in the, the sh- at the show or in the PR department has said anything like that to me at all. That's just pure speculation. But that's the only thing I could think of of why are they spacing it out um, like that? Yeah. It seems weird. Other no. than I guess they... Because usually they don't have re- repeats during a season. Usually they just run it straight through. Yes. So it's a little strange. And if they do, <laughs> if they do a remote reunion um, as well before the finale... That, you know, that might be another indication that they're trying to, like, maybe if we stretch a little longer, you know, we'll be at a place where we can do in person. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious what the deal is there, but maybe we'll have more information on that before the end of the season. So uh, what wins your weekend TV? Um, well, I mean, what wins my weekend TV is Agatha all along, but not breaking the fourth wall. But not uh, WandaVision, yeah. But not WandaVision. Um, so Queen Sugar, but really it's just the, it's just like the 52nd Agatha all along wins my weekend <laughs> TV. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I'm on, we're on the same page again, yet again. Um, I did enjoy some DuckTales and uh, just, it was nice to have DuckTales back, but no, Gotta savor it. Gotta savor yeah. it. Each little dose, each next ep- each little episode we get before the end of the run, um, definitely much much improved over the Christmas special, which I was not all that interested in. But, but no, yeah, is is Queen Sugar? It's about. To, I think I think what wins our weekend TV is going to get pretty boring here for the next little while. Yeah, I'm, I'm very okay. Sorry, with that. folks, this always happens when Queen Sugar's on because <laughs> it's real real good. Um, well, speaking of real real good, let's take a break, listen to probably the theme song, and come back to talk about the Bob Newhart show.
That was the theme song to the Bob Newhart show, which is, of course, the classic sitcom starring Bob Newhart and Suzanne uh, Plachette. And there's, there's of course, Newhart as well, which uh, was filmed later. And, stars- and Bob. And Bob, yeah. Uh, as, as, you know, so the one where he's in, a, in running an inn in Maine, that's Newhart. Vermont. Vermont, yeah. sorry. Thank you, Vermont. And it's the Vermont one- or New Hampshire. It's one of those. But New England. Maine. Yeah. In New England versus when he's the Chicago psychiatrist. That's this one. Psychologist. Um, he's a psychologist? I thought he said psychiatrist. No, he's a psychologist. Okay, we'll see. The, you know, there we go. Thank you for the correction. You're welcome. Um, so I obviously am very familiar with Bob Newhart. I am. I have fond feelings towards Suzanne Pochette, but have seen her in very little. Um, sure. And am delighted to say that she's fabulous and just as fabulous as she seemed in the few things I had seen her in. I look forward to catching up with more of this. Um, I, I saw a handful of episodes and and had quite a bit of fun. Uh, wasn't as bowled over as I was hoping to be, but certainly was very entertained and very charmed. And I can see why this show has the reputation it does. What, what was your relationship with the Bob Newhart show before you watched, like before this week? And uh, what did you think? Yeah, so I had watched... Um... Like, I, I knew of Bob Newhart, like, as a television persona. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was everywhere, even in the 90s. Like, he was just around. And I remember, like, m- one of my more vivid me- memories of Newhart is when he's trapped in that ca- in that glass case when Conan was hosting the Emmys that mm-hmm. had just enough oxygen in it for three hours. And if they went over... beloved television icon Bob Newhart was going to die. Um, Which was a great gap. Like, terrific. Um, But I never actually sat down and watched the Bob Newhart show until probably around 2013-2014 when I watched it on one of those, like, oldies um, television stations that you can get on cable packages. I forget which one it was. It was the one that did a lot of tractor commercials, though. Um... And sometimes preempted their repeats of Bob Newhart, uh, Newhart, and the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore show with like rodeos. <laughs> um, so, but so I watched a number of episodes that way um, on that syndicated back in 2013, 2014. Um, but so that was basically my thing. So, kind of very similar to Rockford last week, where I'd watched a bunch of it and then hadn't touched any of it since. So going back and watching it now was like, again, like six, seven years later was really fun. And I really enjoyed it. And it reminded me that I really liked Bob Newhart's show when I watched it then. But it also made me go, I still liked Newhart more, which I feel like is a more is a weirder opinion to have Mm -hmm. Um, because of the Newhart show. Sorry, not the Newhart show. Newhart is a very weird show that retooled itself like eight times over the course of its run. Um, Whereas the Bob Newhart show is very much, this is the show. Um, But it's such a well-executed version of that show. Um, And so I was really pleased to go back and watch a bunch of it. Um, I watched like at least, I know I did at least 12 to 10 episodes, but I think I did a few more than I actually put on the rundown. So I I think I did around 15 episodes out of 140 something. Um, But it was a really good thing to watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, My partner watched it and also enjoyed it. And we both generally agree that it's funny, but it's also like this kind of very sedate funny, which describes Bob Newhart's stand-up as well. Um, And so it was really good to kind of go in and watch it again and then just be like, yeah, I'm good. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. The show ran from 72 to 78 um, and it had six seasons, but like, it's such a different 70s vibe than other mm-hmm. 70s TV that I necessarily mm-hmm. think of, um, mm-hmm. even just, you know, Rockford Files, right? Um, it's it, So it's just interesting to think of them next to each other, thinking of like yeah. this versus some, like, or something set in the 70s, like that 70s show. And, you know. Or Taxi even, or really. Or Taxi. Taxi was oh, yeah. the 80s, but. Yeah, but but still, like, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I have some questions about ages of some of the characters and like where where they're all at in their lives sure, and stuff. Sure, sure, sure. But um but I think it's you know you when we've got Bob Newhart standing there in like his pajamas or in his some of the like just like there are little snippets of of the character that feel so relatable to a more universal kind of um sitcom i guess it would normally be a sitcom dad type right yes that it's 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 interesting to see it in a show that is not that at all mm-hmm. and uh yeah it, it's it's really interesting i had a lot of fun i was really charmed by this like like i said i like the change in the opening credits which you better believe i i noted immediately when we get to season three because now suzanne Pochette isn't waiting at home to kiss him when he gets home she's also out working <laughs> and getting home too um I, you know this was set in chicago the credits like it's like oh i know that building and i know that building and he's taking the l and he's going over to this station and the platform like it, you know it's just very there was a lot of stuff in here that is designed to like hit pleasure center buttons for 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 me in my brain, um, and the the credits and the the Chicago setting is certainly part of it. Um, yeah, what like I said, I already knew that I really enjoyed Newhart, uh, Bob Newhart specifically, uh, like not the show Newhart, but him. Um, mm-hmm. I was really entertained by Suzanne Pochette, and I need to seek out more of her work. Did you have any this time watching? So, did you have other characters that you know or performers that really stood out to you? Well, Plachette stood out to me a lot more this time around than I think she did um, when I watched it last time. And I think part of that was by my own design. One of the things I was really conscious about doing was when I was reading the episode descriptions is I really focused on alternating between doing Bob and Emily episodes and then Bob and client episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, even though those often overlap, there are also really clear delineations when they're really focused on what Bob and Emily are doing. Um, so I went out of my way to make make sure that I got a lot of plachette kind of, maybe not driven episodes, but very plachette forward episodes. So I watched like an episode where they go to an inn together, they decide to like take an impromptu trip. And it goes horribly, horribly awry. I watched an episode where they um, decide that their lives are too busy for both of them to be living together. So they decide, Bob decides to go live in a hotel for a week. And she, um, Emily is working on her master's. So she goes to live at the dorm so she can really get a lot of work done. And all of their friends think that they're about to separate and divorce. (laughs) And the two of them are just like, no, we're just really busy and we keep missing each other and we're tired of missing each other. But also neither of us want to be in our ho- home without, without the, other. the other. Yeah. So I'm going to go live in an apartment. I'm going to go live at the dorms because that's how dorms work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Details. Even for master's students. Um, 
Maybe it was in the 70s. I don't know. Um, but so I, I wanted to balance those out so that I really got a lot of Suzanne Plachette because my big takeaway from when I watched it like back seven years ago was that she was fine, but like overshadowed by uh, Marcel, uh, Marsha Wallace by um, and by um, Billy Daly, obviously, because uh, Howard's just a pure scene stealer of her character anyway. How could you not? Um, but I really wanted more from her and I was really glad because she's great. Like I really love, especially how Emily is written as well, is that there's a heavy reliance on sarcasm in a lot of the really good Emily episodes. Um, and a kind of refusal to really play into Bob's straight man act, which is the entire premise of this show, as well as the premise of Newhart is, Bob Newhart acting as the straight man to all these other kind of zany folks. Um, but Emily constantly pushing back against, no, I'm not, I'm not zany either. Um, and watching that balance play out um, was really, really great. So I really enjoyed it um, on that level. And it, I had the same thought you did as well about like, Robert's just the dad to all these like other folks here, even though, this is not like a t- traditional family sitcom kind of deal, but between the other non-patients and then the patients, um, many of whom are recurring, including Jack Riley's Elliot Carlin, um, which is just so bad and I love it and bad in a good way. Anyway, um, that you still get that really heavy family vibe without there needing to be any kids, even though that is the whole point of the unaired pilot that aired as episode nine in the show's run yeah well and thank goodness they didn't circle back to that i was wondering about that because um they established oh okay i don't remember there being kids and there aren't kids on the show no and and that's the thing about that pilot episode is also howard's married with like 2.5 kids in that pilot and then he's like a a hapless bachelor (laughs) in all the other episodes because i was really confused when i watched that episode i watched that episode first and went this is a different show <laughs> than what I remember. I don't remember him being married. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's funny. It, 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 it's just such a different thing. They wouldn't air that pilot now. Right. Yeah. No, Cause there's enough not. retooling that they wouldn't have just would have not aired it, but they didn't worry about that back in the day. So yeah, yeah. no, it's very much like watching the big bang theory and then watching the actual original big bang theory pilot and being like, this is a completely different show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some, some prudent twists or like uh, adjustments, tweaks to yeah. the energy. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about some of these other cast members because uh, you already mentioned Marsha Wallace and she's fantastic as yes. the secretary and a character that should be annoying and should like for, for modernized, like especially watching as a woman who uh, like gets very frustrated by the, the writing for women in, in a lot of TV, but, certainly in older TV. Uh, I was very entertained by that character and it's down to her. And cause yeah. like the, it's not the writing. Um, it's also, I mean, like it's very possible that like they could see what she was going to do with the writing. And so that's why they kept doing what they were, but like you can see with just the page, how a lesser performer uh, or a different performer would have not been able to make that work. And she really does. Yeah. Carol's great. I love Carol. Um, and that's, that's oh, one of the things. Say, for those in the scene, she's the secretary at the doctor's office. 
Yeah, or like the secretary receptionist for Jerry and Bob. Yeah. Um, but not for the rest of the seventh floor, I don't think. Because there's a whole directory for the rest of the seventh floor behind her. But <laughs> these are the only two that I think she works for. These are the only two who are in the opening credits. Yes. <laughs> so don't, don't overthink it. <laughs> um, but I think that leads to Jerry, who... Played by uh, Peter Boner, uh, Boners, um, who directs a number of these episodes as well, we should note, um, which I think is good um, because I don't like Jerry very much. Um, but I, one of the things I do love about this, um, about Jerry and within the situation of the 1970s, is that Jerry is a catch and the handsome one. <laughs> and I am like, is he though? Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, because Howard's right there, and Howard's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I I like that he he's very much in that mold of the hapless Lothario, um, but who also still does fairly well, um, or at least we're led to believe he does fairly well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't like Jerry very much. How do you feel about Jerry? It's not anything to do with uh, Boner's performance, which I think is fine. Um, and just the the nature of the character is not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it more than you did, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a doses thing. It's definitely like a, this is, you know, because this is a work colleague who they run into, right? This, this is why we're putting up with the shenanigans. Um, and, and, and frankly, in the current situation that we're viewing things in, oh, remember when you'd go to a workplace building and you would see people that, you know, you would have these different relationships with that you wouldn't necessarily want to spend time with, but, you know, you kind of keep touch with them. And, you know, like as a, as a teacher, it's like, oh, you run into the people who are also teaching in the same building and you're not friends. You wouldn't like hang out, but like, it's kind of nice to have acquaintances. That was a thing. And it's been a while since I had acquaintances <laughs> uh, that I ran into in a work context. So maybe it's some, that's some of it. And like, 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 again, I keep going back to charming, like the charm of that. And, uh, you know, it's just something that's very much not in, you know, as from my privileged position of being able to teach remotely and work remotely uh, and that I haven't had. So I miss some of the, that workplace banter maybe. Um, but, and I think also the show does a good job of not celebrating him. Yes, it doesn't. In a way that other shows would definitely be celebrating that, that kind of character. Um, I do think uh, something that in a, like a similar vein that I needed <laughs> Like one of the episodes that stuck out, stood out to me is one where um, Emily is uh, feeling anxious about her age because she runs into a former student who's now a teenager mm-hmm. and like going off to college. And she's like, I'm not old enough to be, ha- ha-, you know, and as someone who has also been teaching now in the same area for 10-ish years. Um, so, so that puts me at about her age in theory. Something like that. Um, though she would probably be younger than me because I don't think she already has a... She didn't go to college for two degrees. So she might even be a little younger than me. Yeah, um, I think that episode was before the co- Master's arc. Before the Master's arc, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, the like I thought that that was... That, uh, that kind of gave, me, gave us the context of, oh, she's supposed to be like, I don't know, maybe like early 30s or, or something like that. 
and that's certainly an interesting conversation to have. But then they like they put her in the this 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 wardrobe that is supposed to be ridiculous and is not as ridiculous as they think. And the wig's then, real bad though. <laughs> well, and then they have her later. They show her in her nightgown or whatever, and it's hideous. It's, it's such like, an old person nightgown, and I don't understand it. Well, and because Suzanne Blanchett is gorgeous, she's like stunningly yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, and they it's don't... distracting how good looking she is, especially depending on like the season and the episode and how they're styling her. But yeah. sometimes she's just like you go. Why are you with Bob? Well, see, but then I, I'm okay with that because I can see, like, her per- they really sell the personality of, like, she chose yeah. him, right? Kind of a thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. But, like, she, like, why would she, I don't believe for a second she's wearing this, like, peasant, like, little house on the prairie marm nightgown thing high collar nightgown. high collar yeah. like it's like so it's so ugly and she is normally pretty chic you know um so there there was i had some questions around some of like what age is she supposed to be because i think she's supposed to be quite a bit older and not nearly as gorgeous as his amplichet is and she's just really really good so you know they you know who cares? But um, yeah, I have a couple questions about that. In a similar way of like, does this show understand? Like, the show understands that we don't want to be like Jerry, and that when he's talking about all the snow bunnies, he's gonna like when he's randomly hitting on people who are like oh, seventeen or nineteen. It's gross. Uh, does the show understand that she is ridiculously gorgeous and chic and cool? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they do. Well, I don't think that she's cool per se, and I, I the conceptualization of cool I don't think factors into this. Yeah, you're right. It's not cool. It's like, um, but it's like, but she is, classy. she is like, yeah, classy, and there's a degree of I would say like middle class chic because mm-hmm. she's definitely not like rich chic, even though oh, their no. apartment is ridiculous, and as their their apartment in the final season is. The same apartment, like, set, but they've significantly retooled it in the final season. They, like, move buildings between season six and seven. Um, and that the season, sorry, the season six set is just absurd. Like, they came into money because of how, like, weirdly nice it is uh, compared to uh, seasons one through five, um, which is the same building. And then they moved to a different one. Um, yeah. So, given that you only got to watch a handful of episodes, um, how did you? How much exposure did you have to Bob's patients? Oh, I, I got a few in that okay. had some of the recurring patients, which I appreciated and, and enjoyed. I liked that idea. Of, it's a smart setup, right, to let you bring in a recurring cast of characters, bring in, see who works well on the show with the and has good energy off of of New Heart and um, and establish a rapport and some bits you can play back um yeah i thought i thought it worked pretty well and i liked some of the different people that they rotated through i liked the group i liked that they had a like a standing group that they could then return to a few times um that i thought that worked pretty well too what what about you did you have a particular patient that really like you you enjoyed getting to spend more time with or did you prefer like the one-on-one dynamic to the group so I like both. Um, like I really appreciate that there's a solid mix of you sometimes get the, you sometimes get one of two groups because there's a second group that he develops um, a little bit later with a whole different set of patients except for Elliot who's in both groups because that's how much help Elliot needs. Um, 
or thinks he needs as well. Um, so Elliot is like the one people remember from the show because Jack Riley's in a number of episodes and also Elliot Carlin is a delightful powerhouse of a character. Um, and Jack Riley's really, really great in the role. Um, it's also worth mentioning John Fiedler, um, who plays Emil, um, who is the, um, the ex-Marine that you do not, you can <laughs> refuse to go like, he wasn't a Marine. He wasn't a Marine. And then he swears, <clears throat> air quotes, swears. And you're like, oh, I guess he was. Yeah. Um, but he's like, he's one of the folks from 12 Angry Men. He's really good in that. Um, he's like one of, he's, he was a character actor that was really, really active in the sixties and seventies, but he's probably best known for being the voice of Piglet in the Winnie, the Winnie the Pooh. Um, but he's really, really funny as well in this. Um, and I really enjoy when he gets to pop up and he gets real, um, dynamics with, um, both of the actors who end up playing Victor Gianelli, uh, across the show's run because two different actors play, uh, Gianelli. Um, but there's a real good tension there. But for me, apart from Riley and Fiedler, I really love Oliver Clark, who does a handful of episodes as Ed Hurd, who is just this big, shambling, insecure man, um, who I don't think any of the episodes you watched he was in. Yeah, no, I didn't catch his. Um, but he's also on St. Elsewhere. He plays, um, John Doe number six, I think. Um, if I'm remembering my saying elsewhere correctly, but he's just this real gentle, insecure man, um, who just apologizes for everything, feels bad about everything that he's doing, and is very much a stark contrast and foil for a lot of, like, even, like, Emile and Elliot's, um, attitudes. Um, so I really, and it's a really funny, subtle, quiet kind of performance that I think is really, really good. Um, so I really like, um, Ed as well, even though he gets significantly fewer episodes to do. Yeah. That's one of those things I look forward to when I have a chance to like revisit and like pop this on. This is the kind of thing that I would, I'm sure really enjoy like marathoning it when I, uh, like if I was under the weather or doing some invoicing or, you know, something like that and, and just want something on that I can enjoy and pay, but not need to pay super close attention to, uh, this would be perfect for something like that. And I look forward to getting a stronger sense of the, the patient pool um, through, through doing some more revisiting of, of, of the, the various seasons and episodes that I didn't get a chance to get to this, this time. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with the Bob Newhart show and I certainly, you know, I think it's a, it's a, if you're looking for like it, comedy is tricky, right? Some of the shows really are of their time. Some of the shows that you catch up with that you've heard about, uh, just you're like this was the this was the sh- huh but this one i told i mean i watch i totally get it and i can see why it was so popular i think it's it, it holds up i think it's worth watching now if you're looking for this kind of a energy and um yeah it it, it was it was a, a lot of fun to to watch and certainly uh i can now have a, a greater appreciation for one of the all-time classic sitcom endings which of course is the new heart ending which is actually right exactly it's like yeah. when you get around to actually watching the new heart ending you can really appreciate it now yeah um and so just intellectually appreciating it can viscerally appreciate yeah. how like Plachette's voice is so distinctive and like their their dynamic is so you know specific that that would just have been an absolute absolutely uproarious kind of like moment to experience mm-hmm. live and talk about it at the water, water cooler the next day 
yeah, no, gosh, I can't even imagine watching that and going like, yeah, no, that's what we did. And just being like, but it also like, it totally tracks with Newhart, the show, that that is how they ended it. Because Mm -hmm. again, that show is weird. It's (laughs) bonkers how weird it got as it progressed. Um, In that very like 80s, 90s CBS sitcom sort of way. Um, Like late 80s, early 90s, um, I think. Yeah, it ended in 1990. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um of how that show progressed because it's a weird show by the end of its run. Um Well, then the next question is Newhart streaming anywhere? Regrettably no. Ugh, um that's too bad. it is not streaming anywhere. Um I think just because it is significantly underappreciated compared to the Bob Newhart show or there's like weird rights issues around it though I can't think of what those would be. Um but yeah, no. I like I said at the top of this, I love the Newhart program i've seen actually like a significant chunk of it um that actually ran for like two seasons more than um this uh than the bob newhart show did um and yeah but i've yeah so yeah i don't know why it's not available anywhere um streaming because it should be bothers me that it's not because i would have liked to have done that Well, and maybe at some point it'll become available and then we can talk about it then. maybe maybe it'll be on paramount plus (laughs) <laughs> that can be the thing that tips you over to it and now that we've had our call back bringing it full circle we're going to wrap up our conversation here uh, uh, a few show notes at the end of the episode you can find a post to this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV you can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there you can email us at televerse at gmail.com you can find our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed over on Apple Podcasts. We're also up on Stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and then of course we are both on Twitter I'm at the Televerse and Noel you are at Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.